You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach, talking Toronto Blue Jays with MLB.com's Blue Jays beat reporter, Gregor Chisholm. Gregor, when last we talked, we thought we already knew the big move that the Blue Jays had made before the trade deadline, and we were wrong. Um, first of all, just how did, how did this come together, the Jays bringing in David Price, uh, an absolutely enormous acquisition that clearly is already showing up not only in in the results but in the stands yeah you know it really kind of what changed was that detroit uh, made him available and dombrowski when he was still around um you know had given clues to anthopolis that uh, price might not be available uh anthopolis was under the impression that he wasn't going to be available um and so after you know the deal for tulowitzki uh anthopolis actually told uh, Daniel Norris said he wouldn't be going anywhere because he didn't see anyone out there that would be, um, you know, worthy of, of giving up a guy like like Norris. And then, uh, you know, that changed just, uh, you know, a few days, two, three days before uh, the trade deadline when Dombrowski and, and the Tigers decided that they were going to be selling. And, and after that, it seemed like things moved relatively quickly. It, it happened all basically within the span of about 12 hours. You know, it was a a phone call placed from Dombrowski to Anthopolis, uh, you know, uh, Wednesday afternoon, and then they, they kind of exchanged some messages later on that night, and then there was a couple of late-night phone calls and a deal that got wrapped up around 3 a.m. So, you know, we often see trades that take days and days and weeks to develop, but this one uh, really came together really quickly. It seemed like the Tigers knew exactly what they wanted, um, and it seemed like, Anthopolis, who wasn't willing to deal uh, Norris to, to anybody else really for anything out there, uh, made an exception in this case for David Price because, um, in his mind, he was—he's that much of a difference maker that it almost didn't matter what the Blue Jays were giving up; they were—they were willing to pay the price to, to acquire a guy like that. Do you think they would have done this same deal? Did they try to do this same deal or a very similar one for Cueto, or was he, Price just absolutely unique? No, I think Price is, is unique, and, and there's a lot of, you know, they were in on Cueto for sure. I, I don't think they were prepared um, to part with Norris for uh, Cueto as a rental player, and I think they just view uh, Price as really the guy you don't have any concerns about whatsoever. I mean, there was that talk a little earlier this year about Cueto and his, and his elbow, and you know, Cueto's results speak for, for themselves, and he's, he's an elite pitcher as well, but you know, David Price is probably, uh, you know, a little bit higher. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of factors at play that the Blue Jays don't have to worry about. I mean, they've seen this guy um, in the American League, in the American League East. He's used to going into these ballparks that the Blue Jays are going to be going down uh, the stretch. He's used to those lineups. Um, you know, it's, it's a really easy transition for Price to make. Um, especially because he made the transition last year too a little bit, you know, switching teams, and he's kind of been through that change of scenery before. Um, they have all the confidence in the world that this guy isn't going to um, you know, need any time at all. He, as we saw in his first start for the Blue Jays, he, you know, he hit the ground running, and that's what they expect, um, you know, over these final two months. 
this is almost certainly for both club and player a matter for November and, and not August, but it has to be asked, do they think they have any shot or, or do they think they'll even make a serious effort to keep him long-term? As we sit here today, um, no. Um, this is being viewed strictly um, as a rental player. However, um, you know, there are some things that could change over these next couple of months. Um, one factor to keep in mind is the Blue Jays do have a very strict policy of not going uh, beyond five years on, on contracts, but that's a policy um, from Paul Beeston. So Paul Beeston is going to be leaving at the end of the year, and it's possible the five-year uh, max contract will uh, go out the window with him. Um, but to me, the bigger factor here um, really depends on how these next two months go. I think that there is a potential that if the Blue Jays um, – end up making a run, end up getting into the postseason, um, and end up winning you know, a round or, or two, um, it's possible that they could put an awful lot of pressure on ownership um, to make a major financial commitment to try and keep this core together. Money's um, not an issue for the Blue Jays. I mean, they're owned uh, by a, you know, a multi-billion dollar corporation, um, but what they always have to do is when they go present things to the board, um, they need some tangible evidence that you know money invested in the team um, is is going to be is going to there's going to be a return on that investment and that's something the Blue Jays have had trouble doing in the past. They have a very healthy, very competitive payroll, um, but they could go to the upper echelon of the league really if they um, you know had a team where they're packing the Rogers Center over the final you know, month, month and a half. Uh, we've seen a spike in attendance already. Uh, and then if you carry that over into some additional revenue from the postseason, I, I think there's a chance that there could be uh, some pressure put on ownership to, to do something. But it's it's a little too early to, to know for sure. A lot of that's going to depend on how this team does and how many people uh, end up showing up to, to watch this team play. That was not even – those two huge moves were not even the only moves they made. This team did a lot of things and, and really basically it seems to me looked at every – weakness and did something to address it. Uh, they addressed uh, the, the, essentially the, the fact that they haven't really had the left fielder they expected to have, and they addressed their bullpen issues. Um, how, how, does Benavir just step in? Is he the left fielder now? Is that kind of how that works, or how, does that, how exactly does he fit in? Yeah, and that was, a, that was really kind of a change even after they acquired him. You know, when they acquired him, uh, you know, Anthopolis came out and Gibbons came out. And the expectation was he was going to, Revere was going to start in left field against writers, right-handers, and um, Danny Valencia was going to start against lefties, and, and that's something we've seen before. And I, I think after the dust settled a little bit, um, you know, it was really Gibbons' call, and, and Gibbons, you know, has seen far too many times this year where the Blue Jays um, have had issues coming up with routine plays in left field. They've had, you know, seemingly infielders playing the, the outfield. Um, all year long, um, and there have been some times when, it, when it's backfired on them. Uh, and I think that, you know, Gibbons looked at this team and said, if we're actually going to be competitive and actually take a serious run, then those little mistakes that continuously popped up have to be eliminated. And so I think they're going with the defense first um, with Revere. Um, you know, they do like what he can do a little bit against lefties. Uh, you know, the splits aren't, aren't that kind this year, but last year, uh, they were pretty friendly, um, so they're okay with him against left-handers. You know, he's not obviously not going to hit for any kind of power at all, but uh, you know, they're going to they're take the speed and defense, and it gives gives the lineup a little bit of a different look 
than what it had before. And, and now that position, probably more than any other, uh, was a luxury more than anything else to, to upgrade. I think that was you know, the last thing on the list. And then once the Blue Jays addressed a bunch of other different issues, you know, there's still a few hours before that trade deadline, uh, and, and gave it one last shot and, and got that you know little cherry on top this Sunday. Does that move tell us anything we didn't already know about Michael Saunders? No, not really. Um, you know, there's still he's still saying all the right things, and he's still talking about possibly coming back in September. And um, you know, the team is still mostly saying all the right things about you know leaving the door open for him. But um, I don't really think there's any kind of expectation that he's going to come back and um, play anything, any kind of significant games. I, I have doubts that he's going to be back at all. I mean, it's just you know we're sitting here in, in August, and he's still working out at the club's minor league complex but hasn't gone on a rehab assignment yet, hasn't started playing games. And even when that happens, I mean, he's going to need a few weeks, so he's going to need to start playing soon in order to even take advantage of uh, what's left of minor league games. Um, and if he's not able to do that relatively soon, it's hard to believe that he's actually going to make it back. Um, the one thing I did find interesting is that you know, Anthopoulos, um, you know, he, he did say that, Michael Saunders is still our left fielder going forward, and that seemed, I, I took that as a reference to next year. They do have control on him. Um, he might be a non-tender candidate. I don't know if the Blue Jays would actually make an, another commitment to keep him uh, in the fold after missing in, a, in another entire year. Um, but it was interesting that, that Anthopoulos did kind of come out uh, right away and say that when they also technically would have uh, Ben Revere under control as well if they wanted to. Um, his salary is kind of escalating through that arbitration process as well. One last thing I wanted to ask you about, and it, it is unfortunately really only speculation at this point, but uh, as Dave Dombrowski joins the ranks of prominent free agents this uh, this off season, um, there's an opening that it seems, at least on one, uh, at least on on his side, could make a whole lot of sense. Uh, he seems like a guy who might be currently prepared to step into a club presidency. Uh, do you see that as a potential fit? Do you see Dombrowski and that, that Blue Jays opening as a potential fit? Yeah, 100%. I mean, he just makes too much sense for me. And, uh, you know, almost, almost any team out there I would think would love to have a guy like Dombrowski. And, and you also look, and I mean, the Anthopolis and Dombrowski also seem to have a pretty good relationship. I mean, we were talking about a, a couple of, uh, you know, sizable deals that they made in the last year with, you know, Devin Travis and Anthony Ghost uh, being the other one. And obviously the mega deal for for Price at the deadline. They they have a good working relationship, um, and the organization in general could could just really you know use a guy like that. To me, he makes an awful lot of sense. Um, you know, dating back to, to last off season, we heard so many rumors about you know a lot a lot of guys who probably didn't fit the mold quite quite as well. Um, you know, Dan Duquette was a bit of a, a surprise to me, and kind of a I never never got the sense that he was a really good fit um, in Toronto. Dombrowski, on the other hand, he's got some experience, uh, obviously, as being a president and, and, and being able to probably just ex- exclusively focus on that role would probably be something that, um, you know, he's interested in, in the next step of his career. And, and Toronto obviously has a, a major need for that. And it, to me, it just makes too much sense. Now, the, the question is going to be um, how much interest he ends up having in the end and how many other teams uh, compete for his services because he's probably going to be a pretty highly sought-after guy. And if he takes his time, there might be some openings um, this offseason that we didn't even see coming. So, you know, there's already a few teams that could be in the mix for him, but I, I, w- I would expect uh, Toronto to, to strongly uh, be included in that. All right. 
Gregor Chisholm, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks everybody for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.